When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Coach Kenny Simpson with us today, um, the author of many books and the head football coach at uh, Searcy High School in Arkansas. Coach, how are you doing? Man, I'm great. I, I appreciate you having me on and man, I love the, uh, love the graphics and the Gap Down. I love the idea of the podcast. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get started into the, and kind of we talked off screen about this, I mean, you just released your fourth book. Um, coaching football like a basketball coach. Uh, do you want to kind of just give a brief description for anybody listening, kind of who doesn't know what that is or um, might be interested in the book? Sure. Yeah, no, I um, <clears throat> wrote several books during quarantine. You know, I've still got several kind of in the works during the off season. That's what I like to do. But uh, this one basically uh, talks about football being a fluid game, you know, making adjustments. Basketball coaches are experts at that. I coached basketball for a few years before I did both and then I went football route but uh, the way they make quick adjustments the way they see the game that's starting to trickle over into football no matter what offense you run it's starting to be where you have a conflict player and you kind of have an if then well basketball coach has been doing that for hundreds of years it feels like and so kind of explores that offensively and defensively creating matchups creating space and so that's a big part of it the other thing basketball coaches do so much better, I think, than football coaches is they're able to get such great deep relationships because they have less kids, you know. And so it kind of explores the aspect of how to, as a football coach, try to do that with 60 kids. You know, a basketball coach only has 12. You know, so what are them, some things you may be able to do to create those relationships? So it's really uh, it's not a negative connotation towards football coaches. I love it. I coach football. But there are some things we can learn kind of from our brothers over there that, that do basketball. That's awesome, Coach. And then uh, let's just kind of hit straight into it um, and kind of build from there. Is you took the CRC job what in May, right? That's sound, or, uh, actually late June. Late June, really, okay. July. Yeah. Late, late June or going into July. Um, obviously, it was a stroke, stressful year with COVID as it is, but um, you didn't take any assistance with you. So, how was that process of teaching? Let's start with teaching your assistants because. Obviously, you have a system on actually multi on both sides of the ball. You have stuff that you brought with you that you've done very well at other places, uh, south side um, primarily beforehand. Um, what was the process of hiring and teaching your new assistants your systems? Well, you had to hit the ground running in July. And so you, as a coach, I had to kind of prioritize, okay, what is the most important thing we've got to get done? And then you have to evaluate the staff on hand, you know, what were they very strong at? Fortunately for me, I moved into a very good staff. You know, I, these guys are very good. They're very talented and, and I'm very blessed to work with them. And so on the defensive side of the ball, we have a guy who had been a coordinator for probably 20 years. Well, you know, I'm not going to force my system there. This we're in July, you know, let's you roll with what you've been doing. It's very comparable to what I was already doing. The kids know it, you know, we got a game in six weeks. So, I'm not going to, you know, force that down there. Uh, offensively, I went in with the open mindset. I was okay to, to even run what they had been running and slowly migrate towards where I wanted to get. Uh, but uh, the talent we had there kind of dictated going towards the gun tee. And so, uh, to me, it made sense for us to run that this year. Uh, we ran some kind of adjustments to it, and we may talk about it later on, but uh, that fit our kids. I felt it gave us the best chance to win. So, uh, that's kind of where I came in and evaluated, went through. We left our strength program as is. Now we're in off season now, so now all that stuff will be tweaked even more and kind of meshed into what I want it to become. Uh, but to me, defensively, I didn't touch anything. You know, I thought those guys knew what they were doing. I had a pretty uh, good conversation with his coordinator. I felt from several people he was a great guy. Tony McCoy, you live in Arkansas, you know he is 
he's kind of a guru of defense. So that was a, a blessing for me. Um, hiring coaches, found two good young ones, um, one already on staff and brought one in uh, that really were hungry to move up the chain. And so it gave them special teams uh, with how I wanted things to look. I've got some unique things that I want to do in special teams and say, hey, look, as long as we hit these things, it's yours. And, uh, and they did a great job with it. You know, one of the things I learned from going from uh, kind of a smaller school to a little bit bigger school is you do have a little more experienced coaches. You know, usually at the, at the 6 eight level, these guys have been doing it for a while. Uh, these guys had just come off winning a state championship. So I, I didn't doubt they knew what they were doing. It was just kind of getting the system I wanted involved. Offensively, it was much tougher. It was much tougher because now you're teaching – you know, a very different style. So the offensive line coach and I had a lot of great conversations, slowly getting this stuff put in. Uh, we actually kept one of their run plays. They were a big inside zone team. Uh, I never thought I would <laughs> turn in my gap down backer card, I guess, but we ran some inside zone because they already had it in. And then we worked hard to get in the other runs I wanted. We actually kept a lot of their past concepts because their quick game uh, a lot of their quick game stuff matched what I wanted to do, and the kids knew the terminology. So why mess with a good thing? So it kind of turned into a blend of what they had done and what I had done, um, and that was kind of a give-take relationship. When you have six weeks to get ready for a game, you kind of have to do that. And as the year went on, you know, we were able to get a little more of what I wanted in and, and realize that some of the things they were running matched their kids better, and so we migrated towards that. Now, you mentioned terminology there. How much did you maintain and how much did you change, would you guess, based just percentage-wise overall? From, from uh, like the, the gun tee system we put out quite a bit. Uh, you know, we run game-wise, uh, a lot of it is the same terminology. Um, we do have different tweaks, and I do that every year. You know, if you put out a, a book that has your <laughs> offensive terminology, you better have other words each year because you know that other people are buying that. So. Yeah. Every year we're going to have little tweaks on how we call things. Perfect. But uh, the run game-wise, we kept a lot of the terminology I wanted, and I adapted a lot of the terminology in the passing game that they had. So I'm still in week three calling the wrong pass, and the guys are correcting me. You know, because I know what I want, but I've got to get you know their verbiage. You sound like our quarterback coach there. We, we hired a new quarterback coach this year, and he um, had been at the same school for about 30 years. And so, like, he comes and we, we have – we kind of mesh what he wants with what we wanted to do and had. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was still like week four or five, and he's still try, calling some of this stuff his old stuff as prior school. It's just yeah. – it, it, it happens. Like, it's, it's – I mean, when you do something for so long, it's just hard to change that. It's simple things, you know, like we have a word – we had a word at Southside for run that play again real quickly, and the word was different at Cersei. Well, I kept what they knew. Yeah. But I would call it the wrong thing about three times. And finally, I, I picked up on it as we went. But it made it easier. It's easier for one guy to learn something than for 60. You know, so that's kind of was my mindset. Yeah, you got to do it. Uh, Nick Saban has, I remember, I forget what coordinator it was. He would always talk about, he goes, my play calls, they were the same play, just different terminology. He said, but Nick Saban said, you got to call it my terminology. And even if it was an offense, the offensive coordinator had like a translation what he wanted to call, and so he would say, all right, I want this, match it with what Nick Saban's terminology was, and call it. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, uh, this offseason, I think, will work towards where it's much more of a blend. Of course, now I don't have six weeks. I have eight more months off, yeah. to play a game. Now, uh, uh, next thing I want to kind of hit into is the practice, because I, I think I think that's probably what a lot of us wing T people are fascinated when we watch your stuff, because you, you put out, I mean, you put out just – just tidbits here and there, either both from on your YouTube channel, um, which will be in the bio for people, because I, I know you had to make a new one because of oh, yeah. email issues. And um, but I mean, like your buck sweeps drills, and I know you do a lot of interesting things with pods and how you break up your practice. Um, let's start with first. How much different from what they did before you got there to what you brought here, practice schedule wise? How much did that morph? How much did you adapt to kind of some things they wanted to do that they had success with prior? How did that look? Well, a lot of the changes really were just due to, to more kids. You know, at the, at the 4A level here in Arkansas, most of our kids went both ways. Now, we, we tried to only start 
you know, maybe three or four kids both ways, but both of them, you know, your backup guard might be your starting nose tackle. You know, uh, when you move up, you have more kids, you know, and so for us, we didn't have a lot of two-way players. So right there is a huge change. It's a great change. You know, as a coach, you can, you can go an hour and a half and feel like we've been out here all day when your kids are going one way, you know, and so that, that alone was an adjustment for me. I had to go back to almost 10 years ago when I was in Montgomery, we were able to do that there. So I had to kind of pull out 10 year old practice schedules and see what we had done. Look at what they had done the year before. Uh, probably the biggest difference is, you know, you can get a lot of one-on-ones. You know, we started doing that towards the end of the year where we would go our ones against their ones. You're not really worried at scheme at that point, but you're getting good competition. And so that's something that we, they had done that I was not as used to that I think is awesome, you know, to be able to get that one-on-one, even if the scheme's not the same talent on talent, our kids really enjoyed that. We got after it. Um, Obviously spread teams practices look a lot different than wing T ish teams look. Although I I would say my offense is probably a blend. And so the passing game wise, you know, we kept the same warm up they had done. It's called pops and you're working routes. Well, that that's the same quarterbacks out there throwing those receivers, no change. However, the pod work was different for them, you know, where now I've got my Y's and B's over there with a coach working down block, all the flavors of buck over there, and then they're going to work, you know, our belly type stuff. And so uh, that's different where they're going to travel as a pod, kind of the Y and B will go together and then the B will go to the receivers and then the Y will go to the O-line. You know, that took a little bit of work. Then the guards are coming with the running backs to work buck or work belly. And we started running some quick buck stuff. So, you know, a lot of times they kind of knew, though, after about week three, they got used to, okay, we start off, we're all in our position groups, and then we're going to go to pods, and then we're going to get some seven-on-seven or inside drill, and then we're going to get team. One thing I thought we did really well here, and I, I got to credit my offensive coaches, um, they did a phenomenal job of every play was scripted uh, as far as hash, middle of the field, down in distance, you know, red zone, so anytime we ran a team play, man, there was a, a huge um, intentional push towards teaching situational football. We had, I believe, nine new starters on offense this year. And so a lot of guys, now a good thing is we bring back nine of them next year, but learning the game, learning this is third down, we don't, you know, we don't do this, or this is fourth down. So learning those things was big, and that, that helped us a bunch. Defense of the ball, I, I, I allowed them to do a lot of what they had already been doing. Again, I, when you come in with a guy who knows his stuff, you let him do it. And we'll visit and, and adjust and tweak uh, for next year. But I thought they did a good job. That was the biggest difference for me was having kids go one way. Because now, you know, we're, an hour and a half, you should be able to be done. You know, I, I believe. Other than that, you're taking way too long. Now, I, I'm always curious about this because I've – I've mostly been at smaller programs where I, we have a lot of two-way guys. I know Coach Derry has as well. How do you, how do you determine who, what side of the ball got? Like everybody's a little different. I hear some coaches talk, and but like nobody ever gets real in depth in it. And, it, and I'm always curious more. How do you determine who's one way and what side they're on? And then obviously your best athletes are just going to play two ways. That's just common sense. But how do you determine your one way, what side of the ball that one way guy goes to? Well, I, I've always been kind of a defensive-minded guy, so usually I would say that, you know, we're going to take the quarterback on offense and maybe take the running back and then let the defense pick all the skill guys they want, and then we'll go from there. Um, here, you know, it's a little different because you've got talent, you know, on both sides of the ball. And so a lot of times it's more of the fit, you know, the fit these kids have. And the good thing for me now is I'm getting them younger. You know, so now I can actually see what our seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, what they look like coming up. You know, so our goal will be from here on seventh through ninth grade, they all play both ways. You know, they all play both ways. And, and now we, they may start on one side of the ball in the games, but they're all going to play both ways. This spring for us at Cersei, they're all going to play both ways. And then we'll make a, a judgment from there. In today's game, though, you know, usually you can tell an offensive lineman from a defensive lineman. Usually there's a pretty, you know, except for possibly your guards and the wing tee, you know, you can usually say that guy's a really athletic lineman. He's probably going to play defense. You know, that's kind of how things work there. Skill guys wise, you know, uh, I think what they've been doing here is a guy that couldn't catch play defense. You know? <laughs> I 
uh, to me, you know, we're going to look at guys that can tackle and get after it and kind of go from there. You know, but if you throw the ball, that that's that's a true statement. Some guys are a little different. You know, uh, I've always held the belief that you put your better guys on defense. Um, I think that's when you wear championships. And then those guys, because you can always work special packages into them on offense, but let them go over there on defense and, and change the game. No, that's not, I mean. What type of adjustment was it uh, teaching your coaches the pods and, and making sure that, you know, I mean, you, as a, you got six weeks to prepare, you got stuff that you got to do. You're calling an offense, you know, you guys, you might want to work with quarterbacks one day. So how would you make, how much communication did you do throughout the, throughout the weeks? when you were doing your pods? How hard was that? And go, go on on that. I'm curious. Well, that, that's, to me, one of the most difficult things of being either an office coordinator, a defense coordinator, or a head coach is making sure you're communicating what you want. You know, I again, I was, I'm very blessed here, still very blessed, got great coaches, you know, but and I've got to make sure they understand the goal of the drill, the goal of what we're wanting to get done. And uh, I'm fortunate here that they were, uh, easy to work with. Hey, what do we want done? Exactly what's the point of this? How are we trying to get this to work? Um, you know, and we actually had seven coaches. And so we had one coach that did offense and defense. So I'd have to build in the practice plan where he would come to offense for the first part of individual to work with my tight end wings. And then we would be done with that pod work and I'd throw him back over there to defense and he'd go work with the outside linebackers. So as a coach, you've got to organize that practice schedule where your outside linebackers may be working with the DBs the first 10 minutes or with the inside linebackers. And then when he gets there, now he's got them. And so it just takes a little movement and it, it takes a lot of talking. It takes a lot of what do you need as a coach? So part of our Sunday meetings, you know, everyone has Sunday meetings, but we usually end Sunday meeting with what individual drills do you need? And I want the practice schedule in their hand uh, Monday morning or the end of Sunday night where we have talked and we've maximized our individual time. I think as coaches, a lot of times we get the game plan down, rough idea of all this, but then we don't really talk through the individual work that's going to build into that. That's something we really tried to work hard with here. That's a good point. I'm going I'm to write that down because that's one thing I did not do this year. That's well, the same thing. If you're on offense, I want to know what our defensive guys are doing in their individual. Like I, I, I'm, I re- ultimately I'm responsible. So what are you doing in your individual time? What skills, you know, and so that's a conversation that doesn't need to be ugly, but it needs to happen. No, that's a great point coach. And um, kind of going from there is you, I mean, again, you're installing all this new stuff. How, how much of your playbook did you actually get in this year? Like in the grant, I mean, obviously there's tweaks every year. There's stuff you're going to throw in, add based off your personnel. But out of what you wanted to put in, how much of that did you actually get in? Well, I'm a pretty simple guy, so I'd say we got probably, you know, probably ninety percent of it got in. You know, we got our heavy package in, uh, we got our base run game in. Uh, the good thing about coming here was, again, you got one way kids, and, and that makes a big difference because. Now you do have more time with these kids. And so we were able to get most of what I wanted in. And then we were able to add some tweaks, you know, because they knew some things. And, and I'll tell you one thing as a head coach, you've got to be good at is to listen. You know, I had some really good coaches who had come from that staff who said, Hey, you know, we ran this last year and that may pair really well with this. And that's how we came up with running quick buck. The way we did was, now I wasn't the guy who came up with that. My was a line guy did. He said, hey, you know, we used to run this, I bet we could run this, pull both our guards and run it like quick. I said, man, let's do that, you know, and uh, play action off of inside zone. That came from my staff. So, you know, a lot of times as a head coach, you know, you got to be, you know, put your ego aside and you take what's going to help your team win, whatever coach that is. So uh, we were a long story to get to what your answer was. We got most of my base stuff in, uh, but we actually were able to use some of their stuff in addition to it to kind of supplement it. Now, when you say quick buck, is that the uh, like quick like swing pass buck sweep? Right. Right. Okay. What like what? Uh, just I mean, what is the mythology behind that and the purpose? Like, why why do you add that to your system? Well, what we saw, you know, at Southside, I always had a pretty good running quarterback. I usually would have a thicker kid there that could run it. And our kid this year, he could run, but he was the only quarterback I had. Like, there's nobody behind him. So you're kind of going. We got to be real careful with 
how much we're going to run this kid. So we got to come up with some ways to run the ball to the quick side, because you can imagine when teams realized he's not going to run it a ton, they're going to just overload the strong side. If you run the wing T, you know, it's, you know, your answers usually are counter. So we had that answer already in, uh, but we needed an answer that was going to attack the edge over there. You know, at, at the level we were at, we had a hard time running the jet sweep stuff. And, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't as effective as it was at the level we were before. So we said, okay, what can we do to kind of work with that? And O-line coach, I had said, coach, you know, we used to run the swing pass, and I think we could do that and pull the, the quick guard. I said, man, I bet we could pull both guards. You know, if he didn't get there, he didn't get there, but we could try to pull both. And and we had two pretty physical, willing-to-block receivers. So I said, well, let's run it just like you run a buck, you know, going to block down with everything and kick out with a guard. And we started to see a lot of man-to-man. And so a lot of times there wasn't ever a force player. You block down, the corner run with the man, and now you're on the edge. And uh, it became a really good play for us. Our running back caught the ball well. So it was a way of us to get him the ball out in space. And so that's kind of where it came from. But, you know, uh, that's a play they had. We just kind of mixed in some wingsy blocking with it. That's awesome, Coach. And then the other thing I really wanted to hit on, and I mean, is your kind of like single wing heavy package where you ran counter of because I saw that I don't know if it was like it's like week three or four of our season, and I did, I sent it to our entire office staff. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, what 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 was the? I mean, how much of that did you take from like? Is that was that stolen more from the single wing aspect, or was it something you want you would? I mean, all of us have counter into an extent. Was it like, okay, I'm going to do more of an overload, thinking overload package-wise and running that? Where was that? Where did you take that from? And then kind of how often did you call it and what were kind of the coaching points behind that? Sure. You know, the, our heavy, uh, you know, I took that from Southside. We put it in probably probably four or five years ago at Southside. It's very single wingish. I mean, it's very much. Now, we're vanilla with it. We don't put a lot of time into that. So, uh you know, what I found, though, even at Southside was, you know, we were like 95% conversion rate on that. And I said, well, man, if we're that, we need to run this more. So I had a kid probably two years ago at Southside that had like 21 rushing touchdowns. Well, probably 19 of those were five-yard or unders. We'd get in the red zone, and, man, our efficiency went from 60%, you know, touchdowns to like 90%. And so we kind of stumbled upon that there. Worked really well last year for me. We were about the same, about 90-some-odd percent. We get inside the 20, we're going to score a touchdown. I mean, that's – I'm not messing with a good thing. When we come to Cersei, well, I've got a dude at running back who's unbelievable. So, when you know this is going to work with him. I mean, he is a stud. So, we put it in with him, and we were inside the 20. I think we were 95% conversion for touchdowns, you know, uh, running that and a mix of – now, we didn't only run that, but we ran that a bunch because it's so hard for a defense – you think about it, you guys coach, your team's coordinator, you're probably getting somewhere around the, somewhere around 50 minutes of team, you know, to get ready for an opponent. Well, we run the wing tee. So probably 40 minutes of that, you're trying to run double handoff and all that stuff, and you know that looks horrible. Well, then you're going to spend 10 minutes on that set. And probably the only adjustment you're going to make is how you line guys up, because I don't want to practice that, because you're going to have guys getting hurt in practice. And so started seeing we had great success early one of the wrinkles we put in man our quarterback was like the best at hiding on the sideline because you know the rule is when you change formations or you change personnel groups um that you can't you know you can't just come off the sideline and line up on the sideline but our quarterback kept looking like he was running off and he would hide right there and i think he caught a touchdown he had a third down conversion we dropped what would have been a touchdown on one where he was unguarded and, you know, and I know that's on film, but it hit like three times. And so that was a new wrinkle we put in where, hey, at any point, if he's not guarded or you run and you, they don't cover him, you can just flip it out there to him. So we had that in. The counter set up because people were just, you know, we've got three linemen and then three up backs all on the right. That's six dudes. Yeah. And when all we're trying to run, if you give us an A or B gap opening, we're probably going to run belly, you know, to that gap. If you cover up every gap, we're probably going to run power, kick out, and, and wrap up any blitzers. And if you decide you're going to completely overload like people did, strong side, we're going to run the counter. Now, the way we're in the counter, you can kind of see it. We don't pull any linemen because it, it's 
everybody's up in there now if you run this set they're all right there so everybody just blocks down we're going to kick with our three back guys and we're going to run the counter and we were able to hit that I think we hit it for a touchdown in the film you're talking about. And actually, our playoff game, you know, we went up 7-0, uh, gotten heavy, and I'd seen on film they were going to overload heavy. So that was our first call, and he kind of walked in from about five yards. So counter really gets set up for us. So really, really like that set. It is very much a single wing-ish where it's simple. Um, we had some other tweaks. We started running off it because we had so much success with it. But we like the set, obviously, short yardage. We also like the set against those really quick defensive linemen. You know, a lot of times you're getting where you're trying to pull and do this and you can't get out, or you can get into that set and go almost foot to foot and handle those smaller defensive teams. Um, one thing I want to kind of hit on, uh, really, I kind of, I'm going to buy you a book on Amazon because I, I really am a big fan of it is when, uh, when you talk about coaching other sports and when you coach basketball, and I, and I think it's really important for players to play other sports, but I think it's almost equally as important coaches coaching other sports. At the end of the end of the day, you, you might be able to pick up some culture things. Worse comes to worse, you know. But w- what basketball? I think I've never had the privilege to coach it yet, but I, I've always enjoyed it because it is a more chess game than people want to give it credit for. I mean, I think people watch the NBA and give too much credit to you. Got a, a guy like LeBron that can just take over, but you always watch how Golden State, Cleveland Cavaliers did when get LeBron on a Steph Curry or LeBron on a big man. And just, so what, what are some of the ways that you've translated that into football? I mean, the wing tee is cool. I mean, you got outside linebackers making the play on jet, you run down. You know what I mean? If inside linebackers making the play on jet, you run trap. You know, but like that's all, all that's fun and game. But how do you put, how are you able to use your basketball knowledge and coordinating your best players in the, the best situations on a package on a Sunday? And that's a great question. And it sounds like you've already read my book because there's an entire chapter about creating matchups offensively. And I actually use Golden State as that example. So that's hilarious. I guess everybody saw what I saw was how in the world are they going to run a pick and roll and get LeBron on a scrub? I mean, how do you let that happen? You know, as a coach, you can't do that. You know, and so I do a chapter defensively talking about how you know, defense is pretty simple, but we make it really complicated if we put our system in where we say, hey, we're going to do this. Well, I'm not going to have my outside linebacker man-to-man on their stud receiver. It's not going to happen. You know, so make sure your system has an answer for that. Offensively, it is amazing time after time where if you just teach your kids how to move positions, you can create at least a favorable matchup. They're not always going to win. Sometimes you it is guys that got to make plays. But I don't know how many times this year and in previous seasons we've been able to take a guy and get him one-on-one with no help on a linebacker who's very uncomfortable covering. You know, and then that's the evolution of the spread game. And that comes from basketball. And that comes from basketball where I'm going to take a guy. See, football, we can't run picks. We, we do, but we're not supposed to. But what we can do, motion a guy here to there to figure out what defense you're in. I mean, watch the NFL. That's every play. Running backs out there wide, and now the quarterback knows, all right, you're in zone, or you're in man, or you take your guy from the backfield. We did this a bunch this year. Take both our guys in the backfield and shift them out late. Well, you've declared your man zero, all right? So now your linebacker just went out there on my kid that runs, you know, 4-6. And so we like that, and we're going to take that. You know, and that's something offensively you can create in the passing game. It's harder in the running game, but you can still do it by shifting and trading. And that's the one thing the wing T I think as ahead of a lot of the spread teams is we can line up tight end wing here, get you to declare now move and now running at the guy we want to run at. And so, so I think are very much, they're universal, but they're very much basketball type concepts. We're going to line up here. We're going to bring you over here. And now we have a matchup. And I'm, I'm very much that way on the defensive side. And I've always found it very interesting and, uh, just kind of being able to adjust on the fly. And I guess the next follow-up question I have to that, how much do you get off script at times? If, oh, if you, bunch, you better. Yeah, you better. Now, here's the week. I know a different. Everyone me crazy. Like, you put in all this time on a call sheet, and all of a sudden you don't – you just get off script right. on a defense. But I started scripting formations and shifts 
with an and or kind of, you know, like we're going to line up and let's say we're going to line up in red empty and we're going to shift this guy over here and then we're going to freeze and then we're going to run this or this. And so that's kind of how the script starts to look for us. Now, sometimes we'll just stay with it because we know what you're going to give us. But, you know, most of the time for me and probably for most guys, I just want a new formation, a new shift, the first seven or eight plays. And now I feel like we have a good idea of what you're trying to do. And now we can go make adjustments. And so that was big for us. And But you better be able to adjust, you know, because any offense, especially the offense I run, I have no idea how they're going to line up. I cannot, <laughs> have no idea if they're going to try to take away. And we had a really good running back this year. Good, good for me, he comes back. I'm excited. He had like 28 touchdowns. Stud. Okay. So how are they going to handle him in space? How are they going to handle him at running back? How are they going to handle him in empty? You know, so that's the kind of stuff I want to figure out. You know, we played a game probably not very long ago. We scored, I think we scored 50. We weren't able to win, unfortunately. We scored 50 because we figured out real quickly, if he's in the backfield, we're getting a loaded box. And if he splits out, they're going to cover him with two. Probably a smart move by them. But now I'm running into a six-man box. So our second running back went for like 180 yards because we're running into a low, a, a easy box. And, and uh, you know, to me, that's the kind of stuff you want to learn as a coach. And, and I, you want, not only that, you want your kids to know it. Like that kid came up and said, coach, you know, you're not throwing me the ball and you're splitting me out. I said, I know, but do you realize they're sending like two or three guys with you? And yes, sir, I got it. So, uh, you know, I think you want your kids to see that stuff too. And understand that's the other part about basketball coaches that are great is they're able to convince a bunch of kids that have to share a ball to be unselfish. You know, both of my children play basketball right now. They're one seventh grade, one's ninth grade. That's the hardest part about basketball is getting the selfishness out of it. But the greatest coaches do that. And so that's the one thing that as a football coach, I think we have a great advantage is we should have a very inherently unselfish game. And I hope we can keep it that way. And that's one thing we're trying hard to work with here at Cersei and other schools I've been at is preach unselfishness. No, I agree, I agree 100% I, I'm about every single one of those topics about being unselfish. I think that's one of the great things about this offense is, whereas I think, I, I think some other offenses are kind of limited on the ability to be unselfish because it focuses so much on one kid, whereas the wing T offense at times, and even the triple option offense at times as well, it's who's getting the balls based off what we're look we're getting. I mean, we I was at our JV game this year with our quarterbacks coach, and they wanted to. I think it was like Oakwood or somebody, and they just refused to let us run jet sweep and I think power. They put and they gave us belly. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we're not gonna give our wings the ball on any of these drives. So we just rotate our two fullbacks and eight yards, eight yards. Like if you're not, and then they adjust, and then wing gets the ball. Like. That's a great thing. And it's like, and then the wings like, okay, eight yards of pop, I'll, I'll lead block on belly. Like that, and that's, and we talk about that all the time. Like, I mean, when we, you know, our head coach talked to awards for kids, we're talking about how unselfish some of our kids were as blockers. Um, the kid that wound up getting our most improved award, that was probably the best thing about him is he didn't care if he got the ball as one of our wings. He just wanted to, he, he would lead block, reach block. He'd do whatever you tell him to do. And I think that's, I think one of the best things as a, as a coach that we can emphasize is to be unselfish, to learn to be a teammate, to learn learn to be able to work together for not only just a sport, but that's a that's a lifelong lesson that you got learned. Yeah, and it's it's a difficult as as the as you, as football becomes more spread out and, and you have these guys that are very dominant players, it becomes harder, you know, to to continue to do that. I was Again, I was very fortunate. Our probably our best player was one of the most unselfish kids I've ever coached, and so it's he by example I think set the tone of hey, he's not getting the ball, but he's perfectly willing to go block hard for you. He wants to go out and play on defense to make plays. So those are the kind of kids you you dream you get to coach. It's not always that way, you know, but you hope you get to coach those kind of kids. And to me, that's the culture. Whether you run wing T. You run flex bone, you run spread, empty. It really doesn't matter. Convincing your kids to be unselfish and work hard for each other, 
you know, that's, that's the key. I'm a big Dolphin fan. Y'all know off air I talked about this a little bit, but uh, Tua came out this week and said something, which, by the, by the way, the Dolphin fan, I'm so excited. Finally got a quarterback. <laughs> he came out and said uh, he, came, he complimented Jakeem Grant. He said he runs a lot of uh, brother routes. And I said, what in the world does that mean? He goes, basically, those are called clear-out routes where you know you're not getting the ball, but you're creating something for somebody else. And I thought, man, that's, that guy gets it. Both those guys get it. You know, and, and that's where, as whatever you're running, whether it's blocking, running a route off, you know, convincing kids to do that is the key. I, I, I think that, yeah. I think in the most, I think, uh, let me rephrase this. I think the more we can emphasize and highlight those kind of a- actions, the better. Like our offensive coordinator um, was very big on um, highlighting unselfish and get after blocks this year. Blocking. Not not didn't care how much the the um, how many yards the ball went for, the carry, the pass, did not care. So he'd have a highlight film every week and if you made the highlight film of the unselfish blocks, you got Scooby Snacks. They'll just here yeah and you get multiple bags, it's just like unselfish blocks and just busting like and some of it like I think it was like week eight against like Greenville or somebody, our our tight end backside is sprinting across the field and picks up the safety and just, but like, it just highlights that you're being unselfish. Ball isn't going towards you. I mean, one, you're not getting the ball, and two, it's nowhere near you, but you're sprinting across the field to cut off a safety so we can get a 20-plus yard run. Right, and that's, that's the beauty of this offense. You know, we ran a, a play-action pass. I think I put it on Twitter. Just a little dump it out to the running back, and I'm just trying to highlight this kid and say, hey, man, it's a great kid for us. He's a junior. We're excited about him. And every comment on there from the coaches – was look at the blocking downfield by those receivers. Like they had sealed that guys off for him to walk into the end zone. And you can tell what coaches, the coaches that get it, you know, what they yeah. see. Uh, great athletes come and go, but effort can remain the same. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of want to go back to culture real quick because we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. And you mentioned you had six weeks. Uh, so how, how in with COVID, how was that process and – work for you in terms of installing the culture you want not, I mean, yes, I mean, this is a scheme oriented podcast. We're talking about wing T, but the culture, I mean, we just, we just got, we just spent five minutes on talking about being unselfish. Like how, how was that process? How much, how much did you get conveyed across of what you wanted? Not to your, just your players, but your staff in terms of the culture expectations and what that looked like. Yeah, that's something that takes time. You know, it really does. Uh, and six weeks is not nearly enough time. And, and then with COVID, it was very difficult. You know, uh, I think our kids uh, figured out real quickly that effort was prioritized. They figured out that uh, being where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do was figured out. But culture takes time and it takes trust, you know, in my opinion. And, and six weeks and then even the season, that's not enough time, you know. And I told the seniors, I, I was as honest as I could be with them throughout the year, was y'all are in a really difficult position. You, one, you don't know if we're going to have a season. You know, two, you got a new head coach. You don't know me. You know, you don't know if you can trust me. So uh, trying to have open, honest conversations with those, them, hey, I do care about you. I know it's hard to believe that because we just met, you know, five weeks ago. But uh, to me, culture is one of those things that it takes time. And I won't know if the culture is hit here or anywhere else I've been till 10 years down the road. You know, what you don't know if it's stuck with them until they come back to you when they're 25 and say, hey, do you remember whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, so culture to me is one of those deals that a lot of coaches talk about. Uh, but if you can get a good culture in six weeks, then that just means you inherited a lot of really good people. You know, I think culture takes time to build. Okay. No, that, not that perfect coach. Um, and kind of as we start heading towards the end of this, I, I do want to hit back on um, kind of your the process. And it kind of hits on the drills, the practice. How how much did this shortened experience alter the process that you use and the pro and the process you're going to overtake going next year in terms of spring ball installing your system? Um, continue to develop your culture, uh, continue to coach your assistants? A ton, man. It, it, was, it was difficult. You know, I don't, I don't know many guys that made the transition from one school to another in 2020 and had a, a 
a super pleasant experience. It just has been a COVID has been very difficult. Now I'm I'm fortunate that I'm with good people. I'm very uh, blessed with who I'm with, uh, but it's it's hard. You know, it's very difficult uh, to get stuff in. You know, when I took the job, we still were at that point where we couldn't touch each other or be around each other, and so you kind of had about four weeks worth of are we even going to have a season? And so that was difficult to get the excitement up and where we needed to go. So off season wise, I'm. I am very excited. It's going to be a lot more time to be around these kids and to be around the coaches. I do think um, you can do some things. I mean, to me, you have to do what you've got to do. But at six weeks for us, we were very, very focused on just trying to be fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball. Uh, we were emphasized tackling a ton on defense, try to emphasize effort. Offensively, the same thing is not going to look perfect, but let's try to learn how to what gap down backer means you know learn uh what coming off the ball hard means we're not going to be as low as i want us to be four years from now you know but can we be lower today than we were yesterday and 2020 to me was the ultimate test of literally one day at a time you know we wouldn't know until we got on the bus if we were going to play that friday because i think we might have been one of only a few teams in our conference that played all 10 games due to covid or due to other situations. And so to us, it was, we tried to take it one day at a time as a coach. That's hard. Y'all, y'all probably know that. Like I want to look long-term where I want to get and where we're going to go. But reality was with this year, you had to kind of go one day at a time, try to maximize what you've got in that one day and work forward from there. So hopefully as this COVID stuff, hopefully the vaccine, hopefully all that stuff will move it away. We can get back to normal. Uh, but uh, to me, it definitely was a testament to our kids, to our staff, and to any coach that went through this year of it truly is one day at a time. And it may not be the experience you wanted, but I'm so excited. We actually got to play 11 games of football. And I know a lot of coaches would have given a lot to be able to do that. I, I kind of, I mean, you, can, you hit the hit and nail on, on the head on that, man. And I think it's just such a bad year. But the, just, to, I mean, we only, I mean, we, out of 11 games, we could have played, we got seven. And but just to see our kids compete seven times with more than any kind of sacrifice that I had to make throughout the year. And I, I was talking to a good buddy of mine and it just kind of the education world, how hard it is right now. And and I said, the best part about this, it can weed out the bad coaches. You know, I mean, you imagine if you were just kind of a selfish coach and it for the wrong reasons, man. I think it's a pretty and this was could be a blessing in disguise getting a lot of a uh, selfish coaches out of it because this was about as hard as you as I've ever had to coach. Uh, granted, I'm pretty young into it. And, it yeah, was- and it's, been, it's been it's been tough, like you said. And I, I mean, it's been tough everywhere. Every coach, they're sitting down there honest. This was a difficult year, you know. And some guys did a great job navigating through it. They're still playing here in Arkansas, and so hats off to those guys. They did a you know better job than I did navigating through all this stuff. And so, uh, but like you mentioned, when you look at a big picture. Our kids got to compete. They got to play. And as frustrating as some things might have been, uh, it really forced you as a coach to try to focus as much as you could on the positive things. Well, yeah, perfectly, Coach. And and kind of last thing I got for you, because I'm, I'm always curious about this, and I ask about everybody I talk to, whether it be on or off screen. Um, with you being the go-to guy for the, the gun tea stuff, I, I think you're about, you're about the universal gun tea resource since you can't really go to yourself, who do you go to to pick brains? And like you mentioned, some of it's basketball related, which is fine. I mean, everybody's got their resources. So who do you go to and how do you go through that process of adding to your program? Now, and it doesn't necessarily be just offense. Cause I mean, you, I mean, you, as a head coach, you're in charge of offense, defense, special teams, culture, um, fundraisings, et cetera. Who do you go to and what's that process look like? Sure. Um, well, my wife's sitting across here probably laughing because, you know, as I talk to, uh, I pretty much talk to a coach every night. You know, I, I got a lot of guys that I respect. Some I've, I know in real life and some I just know this way or, or Twitter way or Facebook way, you know, but I've got a lot of guys that I'll, like Rick Stewart, I think, uh, you know, Roger Holmes. If you want to learn wing T, those are guys that, and they know their stuff, probably they know the blocking stuff probably better than I do. I mean, they're very good at that. Uh, with us looking at potentially, going even 20 personnel next year. Don't take my card away. You know, I'm having to find guys like, uh, you know, spread guys and go talk to them about how they do certain things. And so uh, to me, you're always learning as a coach. 
coach. You know, uh, Randy Jackson's a guy out in Texas. If you want to learn a little bit about culture, a little bit, he's, he's pretty good at that stuff. If you want to learn about DB stuff, you got Cody Alexander out there in Texas. He and I talk a lot and talk a lot about preparation and keeping things simple. You know, we have a big belief system of, I think sometimes as coaches, we want to look smart, so we overcomplicate things for our kids. And I think he and I are in the same mindset. So a lot of times I'll go to him about, you know, different coverage type things or preparation for practices. But, uh, man, a lot of times I go to my assistants, you know, and ask them because they're, they know the kids better than I do. So if it's a relationship type deal or it's, hey, I'm having a hard time reaching this kid, I want to go to them, you know. And so a lot of times, a lot of times we want to look up for advice but the reality is a lot of times you can actually look down for advice. And I hate to say down, look down on anybody, but I think you get the point of what I'm saying is talk to your assistant coaches or how about this? Call in your senior leaders and talk to them. Hey, what do you think will work? You know, do you want buy-in? Make sure everybody knows they have a real voice of what you're doing. You know, we went for it on fourth and one once uh, this, this year and I asked kids what they wanted to run. They told me the play and it worked. And so, but you want to have buy-in from the kid. Now you're going to limit it. We're not going to run reverse back, you know, but hey, we're thinking this or this, what do you guys think? Hey, we're going to come out this next drive. We're struggling. What play do you think? You know, we started off the game and our playoff game ran a double reverse pass. Well, I asked, hey, y'all want to do this? Hey, let's do it. Well, it worked. You know, So getting the kids to buy in. So I, you hit it, you know, you want to ask up, oh, there are some gurus you go to and man, you want to get scheme stuff. They're unbelievable. Uh, but also the people around you who know you can probably give you a, a pretty honest evaluation too. And and I'll say this too for the uh, coaches that might be listening. I was scared to talk to college coaches. Like I was, you know, and you still kind of get nervous because they're on TV, you know, so you get, get a little nervous. But uh, those guys, man, they want to help the game grow. And they, a lot of times they will take young coaches. Now they're, they're busy, but they will take young coaches under their wing. They'll talk scheme with you. You know, if they realize you're doing it out of genuine motives, not just trying to get in the, you know, get in the good graces with them, but they'll bring you in and talk to you. And football coaching community as a whole wants to help each other. And I think 2020 will further that because I think we all know this year was tough. <laughs> and so we all want to help each other as we work forward. Oh, I agree 100%, especially on that college coach aspect. Like, this this offseason kind of made me stop caring about what what the in terms of like how they thought of me asking them for advice like I I just stopped caring about that and uh, to your point I had some really good coaches privately just here like I mean coaches at Tulane at um, Louisiana was it Lafayette or Moreau um, that were just good guys who even at Colorado like would just talk to me off screen just be like. Yeah, what do you need to know? What do you want? What do you need help with? What are you doing? How are you doing this? Here's maybe some ideas how to make that better. Like, and I, and I think that's great. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, with, in terms of relationships with your kids. Like, the assistants are kind of in the trenches, and yes. they may they, they probably know them better. And that's not always true, but relationships vary here and there. But, yeah, like, I mean, there are certain kids on, this, on our team that I have an extremely well relationship that maybe other people won't have it with. And same thing with Coach Derry. Coach Derry has a does a fantastic job developing a relationship with his, his inside linebackers. Like, I mean, if you need if question like, or if I have need to get a hold of him, I just usually just text Derry. Like, mm-hmm. can you talk to so and so about this, or how do you think? Yeah, like, so I I agree with you a hundred percent on that, and um, I I think that would be a good way to end this. Is just sure. the, the positive. I, I like I like ending on positivity, especially right now with. All the COVID stuff. Um, so, what I liked about it is I, I spent a good amount of time talking to a few college coaches, and now I'm able to watch the college game and learn because now I know exactly what they're doing. Like, who are their keys? What are they reading? And understanding was it a scheme issue or a player issue? Mm-hmm. And how offenses are attacking that? So, I think that just watching college football this year, I've actually learned more than. A casual, just being more casual about it. I've actually been able to look at it from a standpoint of like, oh, okay, this is how they're attacking it. I mean, everyone runs cover three, cover two, but there's different variations 
of it in different reads and how our offenses and defenses are attacking it. I thought, so I, honestly, I think the best thing you can do is ask a college coach if you can, because then you actually watch them compete against each other. And now you're understanding why they're calling it. And I thought it was the best learning tool I've had this year since COVID. Yeah, those guys, are, those guys are great. And you want to get humbled. You know, I got called by a few of those guys, like not high <laughs> up, but asking about, hey, how do you run Buck? And I was like, I'll let you like, I'll let y'all knew everything at that level, you know. But it was, it's a humbling experience. But it, all it is is we're just sharing with each other. And that's just oh, yeah. a want to learn and want to get after it. And, and well, there, you know, there's a lot of football coaches in this country, but I'd say – you're probably dealing with 20%, 25% that have a high drive passion that want to, that this is what they would do even if they didn't get paid. You know, and I think those are the guys you want to be around. Well, here, I'll, I'll add to your, your humbling experience there, Coach. Um, I will just say I've, I've talked to numerous coaches over the past six months in the college ranks, and the ones that have installed wing tee-related concepts, whether you're gun or under center, have bought in books from several certain coaches. One of them is you. It, to, oh, man. It's, I'm not going to put names out there, but and to install either the gun or under center versions of the, the wing T because their head coach says, we need to figure this out. And I think one of my favorite stories is one of those coaches brought their GA over because he was the O-line coach, and they ordered pizza, read several chapters of books, and then drew them up. So just – if you want it, it you and well, a couple, hey, you and a couple hey, others. Let them know I'm available. I like pepperoni pizza. So <laughs> come on, whenever. So we'll we'll end it there. Um, this was another episode of the Got Down Bagger Podcast. Um, in the bio will be information for Coach Simpson, um, as well as breakdown of each section of the kind of this podcast. If there's specific stuff you want to go back and listen to, but uh, his Twitter, um, a link to get, get his books if you want to do that. Um, Again, like I said, his contact information. Um, again, you, you can also find Coach also on, if you are on Facebook, uh, the Shotgun Wing Tee and Understand Wing Tee. Coach posts a lot of stuff on there and is very helpful to our coaching community. So don't hesitate to reach out to him. I think I messaged him once every like couple months. And it might be football-related. It might not be. It's, just, it's a good time talking to Coach. And um, and then the next couple episodes, we'll talk Belly Pass. Um, that's kind of, I'm just going to keep the preview for that short. Um, cause I just have had, had fun this morning. So, uh, coach, thank you again for coming on. Um, we appreciate it. And, uh, this was another episode of the gap down backer podcast.